Welcome to Manifestival. I am your host, Danette May. And today on the Manifestival podcast, we have Lindsay Sikornik. Now, she's one of my dearest friends, but we talk about perfectionism. We talk about pre-Lindsay because she was the epitome of a perfectionist. She has four kids. She was living in Toronto, Canada, honestly juggling being the perfect mom, perfect businesswoman to perfect home to perfect holidays to this woman who lives in Costa Rica that is honestly has learned and deep dived into self-radical love for self. And she has done deep work. She actually trains not only herself, but many, many powerful business people around the globe on these concepts and has really become someone who's more fluid and has let go of this desire to be completely perfect and lives a life that she absolutely loves. We get into what are these rituals are, what are these action steps to loving yourself more, you're going to actually really glean some powerful tools in your tool belt so that you can actually really grow to love yourself more and let go of this idea that you have to be perfect. For me, flow is less about not being flustered by anything, but by actually rolling with the waves and whatever weather comes in, it's like, letting it flow through me as opposed to trying to avoid it or sidestep it or bury it and actually just letting the emotions, the experiences, the life, the messiness, the beauty, the passion, all of it be present and real and allowed and welcomed. Welcome to Manifestable, where you'll receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns and live into your soul's purpose. Each week, I will bring you epic guests, live coaching, and manifestation tools to remind you of your power. You have the ability to achieve extraordinary things, and the time to start is now. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the holiday series that I'm calling the 12 Days of Holiday Happiness. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be coaching you through a healthier, wealthier, and more positive holiday season. And we all know we could use that, right? We're going to be talking about everything from how to stay on track with your health and fitness goals, dealing with toxic family members, navigating loss and sadness, loneliness, and so much more. We're also going to have a lot of laughs, and I'll be bringing on guests to share some crazy experiences they have had around the holiday season. I'm going to be doing giveaways throughout this whole time. <laughs> and these are not just any giveaways. They are what we all need most around the holidays. Cash. Yes, I'm giving away cash. $50 Visa gift cards to 12 lucky winners and a grand prize of $500 Visa gift card to one lucky winner. To enter, all you have to do is hit the follow button on the Manifestival podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Usually it's in the upper right-hand corner. You click on the little bars up there and then you'll see the clicks down and you can click follow. And then share about the podcast on Facebook or Instagram and tag me at the Danette May so I can see it. The more you share, the more entries you get. Winners will be announced every week in the show notes when a new episode drops. In fact, why don't you go check right now in the show notes and see who today's winner is. Remember, every time you share counts as an entry, so there are no limits. This is going to be so much fun. But let's get started into today's 12 Days of Holiday Happiness episode. 
I don't know about you, but eating healthy around the holidays can feel pretty impossible sometimes between the parties with sugary treats and all of the busyness. Staying on track with your health goals can feel like a struggle, but I have something to share with you and something that I'm challenging myself to do as well. And that is to eat cleaner and healthier, but not have it be harder. And I want to tell you a little secret tool that I'm using to do this and something that I've I've actually tried this before the holidays and I'm definitely going to be doing it during the holidays in between the parties because one, I'm busy. Two, this is actually going to be really healthy and delicious and my kids will actually enjoy it and eat it. So I'm ready to go. I ordered healthy soups and cold pressed juices from Gino the Soup Man. Now, when I discovered this particular company, I fell in love because I'm going to be really real. A lot of healthy juice places and healthy soup places are using canola oil, vegetable oils. They're not using organic vegetables. They're not even using like real foods in their stuff. And Gino, the soup man, does all healthy, uses olive oil, uses real herbs. It is so delicious. And the juices are organic and actually the right combinations of fruits and vegetables and all of the healing properties you need, but they're actually good. And they ship it right to your door. <laughs> like I said, they're all the products organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, plant-based, and they actually taste good, which is key because I'm going to also be sharing them with my family and my daughter who's super picky. The organic ingredients they use are the highest quality and they ship to the U.S. nationwide. You can also create your own custom box of different soups, like ones that you actually want to try, juices and a small batch desserts that would make an amazing gift for a friend or a loved one. They actually have really amazing dessert balls. They're healthy for you, but they taste really good. They're like cookies, but in a ball form. Now, this would make an amazing gift to give to a friend or to a loved one if you're not going to give it to yourself because everybody wants something yummy and delicious and healthy right at their doorstep. And this is something you can do. If you're ready to join me in having the healthiest holiday season yet or want to give the gift of health to a loved one, use it as your gifting tool. I'm telling you, they're going to love it. Gino the Soup Man is giving Manifestable listeners 20% off your order. I didn't get 20% off. You're getting 20% off. Like this is so worth it. All you have to do is go to Gino, Gino, G-I-N-O, thesoupman.com and use the code manifestable at checkout and you're going to get 20% off. So I'm going to spell this to you because you're going to want to go there. I'll put it in the show notes below as well. But if you want to just write this down or put this in your server right now so you can go there, go to Gino, G-I-N-O, thesoupman.com and use the code manifestable on the, when you're checking out and get 20% off your order today. You won't regret it. Before we bring Lindsay on, I do want to share a little bit about who Lindsay Sikornik is. Not only is she a dear friend of mine and somebody that I met in Costa Rica and has coached me personally, and I've helped her. We've be, become friends. We did retreats together. I have really used her as a tool to grow, to become wiser, to have deep reflections back at me. She's brutally honest, but also like radically loving. And she's one of my favorite people to talk to. Like I could talk for hours with her about all different things, life, children, business, strategy. She is so dimensional and I've watched her figuratively and literally let her hair down and become such a powerful human. She always has been and is 
really paving the path for even more greatness in her life. But let me just share her professional bio as well. Lindsay is a transformational leadership coach, yoga teacher, writer, wonderluster, a mama of four amazing kids. As a regular Huffington Post blogger and a respected speaker and expert in the media, Lindsay is obsessed with guiding global game changers to becoming fully alive plus awake. In her work, Lindsay delivers powerful messages about finding your purpose and pursuing your passion. She aims to lead people not only with newfound wisdom and understanding, but also with powerful practical tools that inspire growth to transform and immediately change their lives. I'm going to put her bio and her Instagram handle, her social handles in the show notes. Go ahead and click on them to learn more. Also tag her and me if you share this out on social. We want to know if you love this episode. But I am so excited to bring Lindsay on. She's going to really make you feel like you can completely shatter and come out stronger on the other end. Welcome, Lindsay. Okay, you guys, Lindsay is here in the house and we're already giggling. We're already having fun because kind of imagining myself sitting up. She's in this place called the Priestess Palace, which I'll let her describe this because she's actually in a very warm place right now. But I'm like, I'm imagining and you guys can all come on the couch with us that we're on her little jungle bed drinking lattes because she makes the best lattes and she makes homemade biscottis. And we're all doing this together, talking Christmas perfectionism right now. So welcome, Lindsay. I am so excited to be here. We love to have our latte biscotti rituals. I'm so excited to be having it virtually with you right now and with this whole beautiful crew that's listening in and sharing in this amazing, fun conversation with us. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, we know this is like the 12 days of holiday happiness, which I'm kind of laughing because I know Lindsay has stories. But (laughs) this whole episode is around, can we put down this idea that we have to be perfect, that the tree has to be perfect, The house has to be perfect. Your meal has to be perfect. You have to be perfect. Not only does everything have to be perfect in your house and your kids, but your body better be perfect. Your kid's behavior better be perfect. Your husband's behavior better be perfect (laughs) because you are on display for friends, family, and who knows? I think just people put a lot of expectation on themselves during the holidays. Don't you think, Linz? Oh, yeah. And it really becomes so tragic to me in many ways, because what we really want to do is create joy and peace and love and happiness. And I think what often happens, certainly in my growing up family, in my own experience as a mom, is you end up so stressed out and fighting and yelling and everyone put on the outfit I bought for you. And I told you to take the cookies out. Like it just becomes the opposite of what we desire. And so what I hope we can do today is just free everyone who's listening from the shackles of perfectionism and really (laughs) invite people to go back to the spirit and the soul of what any holiday is all about, which is connection, fun, play, all of those things. And we can have a good giggle while we do it because we have to laugh at ourselves at at our, you know. Okay, Linz, you have to tell everybody a little bit about you, like how many kids you have, Where did you used to live? What did you used to do? And where are you now? Because they're like, okay, they're on a bed drinking lattes and biscottis. And she called it a princess palace. What the heck's going on? So can you tell us where you were to where you are right now? Yes. And you know, I've I've shared this with you many, many times. You are the catalyst in so many ways from where I was to where I am now. In many, many, many ways, personally, professionally, 
spiritually, soul, sisterly, as a mom in every way, you've been there with me through so many massive moments. So I, I adore you and I'm so grateful. So maybe I'll start with where you first found me, which was on the beach down here in Costa Rica. Our kids were building a sandcastle together. And that was the timing of this was literally the, the crucible moment of my life where I had spent my whole life being perfectly perfect academically as a kid growing up, getting the right job, getting married young, having kids young, checking off all the boxes, just trying to please everybody. And honestly, I killed it. Like I did such a great job at being perfect until one day, (laughs) I basically had a massive meltdown, breakdown, shattering. And I realized that the facade of my perfect life was not only cracking, but it was like shattering on the ground, like a perfect little Christmas ornament that fell off the tree. And that was right around the time that I met you, which was months before I had a giant awakening to the fact that my 20 year relationship marriage was ending, was at a point of stalemate. I had four kids at that time. I think I had four kids under nine. So they were three, five, seven, and nine. At that time, I had my husband at the time doing an insane, intense tech startup. So we were in the guts of the feast or famine, bankrupt or, you know, that whole startup life stress. And it was a crucible moment to say the least. And my facade of trying to be perfect and trying to be all things to having a career and kids and being the perfect wife and the perfect daughter-in-law and sister and all the things, I just, it shattered. And I found myself literally in the fetal position on the bathroom floor crying. And I was- Were you in Toronto, Canada at this point? Living in Toronto, Canada, literally like working on Bay Street with my leadership transformational leadership coaching work. I was doing amazing work with workshops and speaking engagements, but fitting that in the cracks of being a full-time mom with the kids. I called myself like a stay-at-home working mom because the stay-at-home moms thought I was a stay-at-home mom. And then I would whip downtown, throw on my black suit, pull my hair back while the kids were in their morning kindergarten or after school programs and do this intense, amazing, high-powered work but I was trying to do everything at full tilt. And I was honestly, I I held it together for quite a long time until I didn't anymore. And everything just came crashing down. And it was, it was really very deeply painful at the time. It was very challenging, confronting, but as all crucible moments are in life, it was also the death of what was of the version of me that that was and the rebirth of which you were such a huge part of the next version of me. I think I'm like 27 more versions in since then because that was like nine years ago. So there's been a, a lot of deaths and rebirths. So to fast forward, we ended up making the decision to move our family down to Costa Rica and completely shifted. I ended up exiting my marriage, transitioning out of it, figuring out how to co-parent in a foreign country, raising four amazing kids who I'm obsessed with, revamping my career, which you were such a huge part of. I joke that when you found me, I was like at home eating grilled cheese crust because I didn't even make myself a sandwich. I'm like, I'll just eat the kids crust. And then you were like, I'll never forget. You were like, you're a master. And I'm like, what? You're like, you are so gifted at what you do. And you saw me and you witnessed me and you literally like yanked me up on stage for Lori's Bliss Project and then A-Fest and so many of your amazing events and Vail and all over. And I'm like deeply, deeply grateful for you because the mirror of you and our sisterhood Mm -hmm. helped me 
to see my own magnificence in a way that I had never seen it before. And at the same time, you held me in the depths of the darkest days, you know, and you never judged me. And as a sister, as a friend, you allowed me all of my vulnerability, all of my, I would call it ugliness, but beautiful beauty at this point, the beauty of all the rawness and really through our friendship, through our sisterhood allowed me to use the fruits of that labor of that those dark days to to morph into a more authentic more radiant more real more alive version of myself and and to be able to gift that some of those lessons and at the very least just my truth and my my stories and my sharings may they be a benefit to anyone out there so that's the story so now i live in costa rica full-time i have an incredible beautiful life down here, surfing every day, yoga, deeply committed to my practices, four beautiful kids, beautiful romantic life and travel all over the world, do my work. And I'm so grateful, so passionate about sharing some of the tools that I've been gifted through all my my own life, but also the many, many over 20 years of work that I've been doing in this space of transformation and activation and more recently deep diving into trauma recovery work with Gabor Mate and how that's all linked to this beautiful topic of perfectionism. (laughs) And it's really exciting for me because the facade, when we talk about literally the gift wrapping of, of the holiday season, we wrap ourselves to look pretty and put bows on top of ourselves and the tinsel and all the things. And on the inside, what oftentimes is going on and certainly was in my perfectly perfect in quotation marks, life was a lot of masking of a lot of pain, a lot of maybe unresolved trauma, all the things that we are either trying to distract from or maybe not even aware that we're using perfectionism and busyness to try to compensate for or cope with things that may have been unmanageable when we were growing up or in our our past. So I think this topic is so powerful and juicy. Mm -hmm. And I really, really am grateful to you for bringing it out and letting everyone participate with this. Yeah, you guys, it's kind of interesting. I feel like the holidays kind of bring out, it's almost a time of deep reflection. At least for me, it brings up moments of my past experiences, which can bring up moments of past trauma. And before we go into that, though, I have to tell you guys, it's been fun for me to sit here and look at Lindsay right now. Like as she's explaining her story, I get to see her beautiful face. But when I met her, we were on the beach, our kids kind of bonded together, building the sandcastle. And then after the beach, we go to the same dinner spot. So I see this family and they're like a family. It was her, her husband at the time, all these kids, and they're like getting food. And I'm like, oh, I remember seeing her at the beach. And then did we see each other one other time? And we were like, okay, enough's enough. We got to meet up. And that's kind of how our friendship started. But Lindsay always wore her hair up. I only knew Lindsay as wearing her hair up. So it's funny that she talked about that because she always had it up. So it was ready for yoga. It was ready probably for business. It was ready. It was out of the way. It was like she was dialed in. And then I remember watching this just through hair transformation, her starting to slowly let her hair down. And that's yes. literally figuratively what you did. I, I feel like I watched this woman that I always saw, but also was, you know, I saw you at the kind of the beginning of it probably myself too, who knows, but it's like this woman who like flowed with life and you do, you tend to flow with life like a ninja. If people were throwing like arrows at you, it's like, you're on like, you're like the matrix where you bend down and they're like going past you. I feel like you do very, very well. And uh, thank you to bring you on. Cause I know you get 
trying to be a really good mom and trying to be perfect. And you get that. And you've also really worked on being really flexible and really letting life be the magic. And you teach people, she coaches people on this. So I just had to reflect back. That's how I Thank you. I'm I'm (laughs) laughing because it was actually at the Bliss Project. Lori Hardy's, I remember the moment Tara Romano was was teaching us in a sexy striptease kind of morning workout class. And she's like, lay your hair down, ladies. And I was like, I'm not letting my hair down. Like I was so... It was perfectly it was such bad. a metaphor. <laughs> and then I literally, I remember I, I like whipped out the ponytail and like, it was like very confronting for me because it felt messy and out of control. And all of a sudden I started whipping it as, you know, her direction. And it was literally, I was unleashing my femininity and my messiness and my vulnerability and my, it was literally the metaphor and the embodiment of the transformation. And it's so funny that you bring that out. And my hair is messy. I used to try to keep it tame. It's not tame anymore. It's bleached out by the sun from surfing and it's messy and it's salty and I love it. And it is literally the exact metaphor. For me, I link it to that idea of our femininity in terms of our wildness and our sensuality and our emotionality and all of these parts of ourselves that can feel unattractive or not welcome at the table or sexiness, like whatever it may be, our shadow parts that kind of through growing up and indoctrination and needing to be, in my case, I became quite masculine with achievement and business and, you know, I'm very analytical and and strategically minded. And and so I, I really did other than through motherhood, I really did push a lot of those parts of me to this, especially the emotionality and, you know, the like fake, I'm fine smile. That was like my, my constant, like, I'm good. I'm fine. And I'm laughing at the ninja analogy because now I would say I have much better ability to actually flow. But I think before I used to just pretend everything was okay and bury and bury and bury. And so I think there's so many ways that we can navigate life. And in my old version was trying to just get a little busier, be a little more perfect or pretend that everything was okay. By I could mask quite well with, with, you know, I have a lot of tools. I practice a lot of yoga. I know, you know, all the tools we know, breathwork, meditation, mindset, these little beautiful tools can start to become in some ways a bit of, of a prison because we don't actually necessarily allow ourselves I would just like flip the switch and go to happy place again, turn on my happy music, turn it on, you know, all these things. And at some point it became a bypass and I wasn't actually acknowledging what was happening for me that like some of my needs weren't being met. Maybe I wasn't having a good day every now and then, or maybe even often in those days with lots of little, you know, whatever this, the case may be. Now, when we talk about being in flow, thank you for that acknowledgement, because now for me, flow is less about not being flustered by anything, but by actually rolling with the waves and whatever weather comes in, it's like letting it flow through me as opposed to trying to avoid it or sidestep it or bury it and actually just letting the emotions, the experiences, the life, the messiness, the beauty, the passion, all of it be present and real and allowed and welcomed. It's a big feat. I'm like, I'm really proud of that because it's not easy to feel all your feelings. It's not easy to like sit in the face of, of situations that may not be comfortable or what you desire and just sit with them. That takes a lot of courage. And I really acknowledge anyone and everyone out there who's going through a time who's sitting in it or feeling it. It's like, it's not easy. And it's, it's, 
in many ways, it's thankless. You don't get a prize for it. Nobody's like clapping for you when you sit and cry for two hours when the kids are at school or whatever. But it's really, to me, it's like really warrior work to give yourself permission to be human and to have whatever emotions are coming through and to be honest with yourself about what's actually happening in your life. And through our own acceptance of ourselves, we can then start to be there for each other as you and I have been for our entire friendship and really sisterhood. And, and as we have the, the privilege of being there for many people who love to co-create with us through our work and different things that we create. So I think it's totally. you, you so just great. dropped something really powerful because you were like, I think it's ninja work and it's warrior work to like sit with your feelings. So can you describe Lindsay 12 years ago around this time versus the Lindsay now around this time? Because when I say around this time, it can be any time for whoever's listening, but I'm using the holidays as an example because it seems like the energy gets amped up a little bit because family's involved, which obviously Mm -hmm. brings up sometimes triggers because even though Mm -hmm. you love your family, you might your cells remember memories that may have been not so hot at some point Mm -hmm. because you're sitting at the table, you're hanging out more than you normally do. It also can bring Mm -hmm. up memories of when your children were little and maybe when you were like, oh, I wish I would have done things a little bit different when they were little. So let me ask, how did Lindsay maybe approach the holidays like 12, 13, 14 years ago Mm -hmm. versus the Lindsay now? And then what did she do to get to that place? Like, what were some of the tools? Because you're like, I masked a little bit, but now I Mm -hmm. really did the deeper work. And what is that deeper work that someone Mm -hmm. could be invited into? Thank you. That's such an amazing question. One of the big topics that came through for me for our conversation today was really about being a people pleaser and really trying to overgive. That was certainly my pattern. And I I think that probably a lot of people listening, specifically moms, specifically women can relate to that. And I'll share my short version of my story was I think a lot of us are somehow pick up the message as kids that one of the ways to earn love is by taking care of others, by being a good girl, by performing, having nice manners. And I certainly got all of those messages. And again, everything I share is never to blame parents or get mad. It's just, it's just life. It's It's just how it is. (laughs) It's just how it is. I'm a mom. I joke. I make mistakes all day, every day. So it's, it's, it's not about any of that. But the bottom line was that I was really indoctrinated with this idea that that perfection was sort of the gold standard. I should aim for perfection. And so what I tried to do was be, again, as successful as I could possibly be in my career because I love my work and I love to contribute and create in those ways, but also the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect daughter-in-law, the perfect daughter. So for me, I would start literally on November 1st, turn on the Christmas carols. I had like four little kids at that time and I love to bake. It's like my therapy. So I would start baking and then you start like shopping and wrapping. And I wanted to create the most perfectly perfect Christmas for my kids that you could possibly imagine. And I also love to bake and and I wanted to be like the perfect dinner party guest. So I would have literally, I bought a deep freeze that I filled with homemade baking every year. I would start baking in November and freeze it. And I was like known for my baking because I had to be perfectly perfect. But then I also volunteered at every kid party, class party and brought in the fresh baking for that. And then still, you know, all the things and then the holiday parties with my husband and then coordinating with my family and his family, all the family dinners and, you know, making sure that the kids, the matching outfits, this was the other one I was giggling. (laughs) 
we live in Costa Rica, so we've kind of bypassed a lot of Christmas for the last many years. We've been here for like eight years, but we were just in L.A. for like 24 hours and it was Black Friday. And I was like, <laughs> what the what is going on? And I was dying laughing because we would go by stores and I would see like the matching dresses. I used to dress the girls and it was so cute. I loved it. But it was, again, such a metaphor for like the perfectly perfect life. And everything was perfect. And honestly, I was happy. Like I wasn't unhappy. I was joyful. I loved doing it. But I know now in hindsight, a lot of it was driven by suppressed anxiety that I had from growing up as a little kid. I had a a very volatile kind of a lot of mental health stuff going on in my family. And one of the ways that I coped was by trying to overachieve and be perfect and try to please everybody around me. And in doing so, I suppressed all of my needs. It was just the dynamic that was established in my family. So I ended up as a 30-something-year-old woman, not even considering what my needs were and just really focused on everyone else's needs at all times. And that really worked well until it didn't. And I wanted to share the crucible moment. The story that like jumped out at me when we were talking about perfectionism was about my favorite holiday card ever of all time. Because that version of me moment, I used to get the holiday cards out, like perfect family photos, which would have been taken in, you know, October, November to be ready for the things and all the things. And I remember the the year that my life fell apart, the shattering year, it was like December 24th and I had no photos. My life was a total disaster internally. Everyone on the outside didn't know anything and thought everything was perfect. And I realized I didn't have a damn Christmas card. So I was like, on the 24th, I'm like, kids, get down here. And they're like, fighting. They're like, we don't want to take a picture. And they were all dressed in like jogging suits and their hair was a mess. And I was like, okay, can you guys just smile for like just one picture? And they just like, right as I was about to take it, one of the kids reached over and like grabbed the other one's hair. They got into a giant brawl. (laughs) One of them pulled the Santa hat over her face because she was like, oh God, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) And I just like snapped the picture and I'm like, there it is. That's the holiday card. And it- That is us right now, folks. (laughs) It did not go out in the mail. It ended up as like post on Instagram. There were no mailed Christmas cards or holiday cards that year. And it was just to me, the turning point moment where I just surrendered to the chaos And the truth of what was my life at that moment, which was a hot mess, you know, it was a hot mess. That was kind of the moment where I really started to deconstruct this need to be perfect. And I won't say that I did it by choice. Like, it's not like I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to work on my perfectionism. No, that's not how it happened. (laughs) I would have probably just kept right on going, throwing perfect dinner parties for the rest of my life. Yeah, totally. Life threw me some curveballs and I was in it emotionally and, you know, relationally. And and I was having a full breakdown of like, who am I on the planet and as a woman and as a human and as a mother and as a wife? And and I just didn't have the the capacity to pretend anymore. And it was such a blessing because it came in the form of deep grief and anxiety and fear and all these emotions that that I don't think anyone really wants to, to sign up for. But they were really that kind of chisel that chiseled away at the facade and the masks and the, I would say, untruth of who I really was at this point in my life. And so in giving myself not again, it wasn't by choice. I just had no other choice because I was a hot mess. 
but in learning to accept it and surrender to it and having beautiful friends like you and, and healers and teachers and coaches and all of it, I really learned to love all the parts of myself. And this is the main thing I would love for everybody to take away today is this this concept of self-love. And this is something I think it's really worth talking about because we talk about it like, oh, I'm going to go have a bubble bath. Or I'm going to eat some chocolate. And you and I both love a good bubble bath and love And we love chocolate. Chocolate <laughs> and cabbage. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing those things. But I am saying in my experience, it's a way deeper level of work, I'll call it, of inquiry to truly love ourselves. Because for me, what it really looks like is loving the parts of ourselves that we may have previously deemed as unlovable like the one who leaves a marriage, the mom who isn't with her kids all the time anymore, the mom who like forgot to send out Christmas cards, the mom who forgot about the bake sale, the mom who like, you name it, insert all of these taboo things that historically I judged harshly probably other women for. And I would never do that. Who's the mom who doesn't remember the whatever? And all of a sudden I found myself because of my mental health at that time and the transition I was going through, dropping the ball on like a lot of fronts, you know? And so my work became, can I love myself in all the different versions of who I am and how I'm showing up? And again, this is not light work. This is like heavy lifting. Can I be okay with my failures? Can I be okay with my shame? Can I be okay with my awkwardness? Not only okay with, but like, can I love those parts. And that takes a lot that for me, it took a, a while, you know, a lot of work, a lot of mirroring, a lot of, again, acceptance of when it, I wasn't okay with those parts. So I think for me, <laughs> the greatest transformation for me was learning to really accept all the parts of myself, all the ways that I've shown up, and then allowing myself to evolve and to be authentically expressed no matter where I am. Even like more recently in the last few years, I've actually tapped into anger. That's not an emotion that I ever had access to before because it wasn't pretty and it wasn't fun. And, you know, life threw me some opportunities to have Get to really angry. anger. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, where did that come from? And again, it's it hasn't been always pretty and it's not fun and all those things. But I can tell you that that just that one emotion, let's just name that one for a minute, having come from a background of having zero access to anger and selling out on myself 100% of the time to make everyone else happy has been a gateway for me to start to now be able to set clear boundaries and to be able to speak my truth. And for me, sometimes it does take a little fire of anger to push me over that threshold of not saying anything or trying to be a good girl or trying to please everyone else. So it's a journey and it's a process and it's messy. You know, it's not always pretty. It's definitely not linear. You know, like you go to sleep one day and you wake up the next and like, boom, I'm, I'm such and such. But I think that ultimately the greatest gift we can give ourselves and our families and our children is to be authentically who we really are in all of the versions of who we are. And I, on the note of children, I actually think me then versus me now, I think that my kids would have grown up with a really fake version of a Stepford wife mother that would have just like thrown them for a loop when they woke up one day when they were 30 and had an emotion or had an issue in their marriage. They would have been like, wait a minute, nobody prepared me for this, you know? And now who I am is my kids are so smart. They learn everything on TikTok. I don't know how they know all this. They know this term trauma dumping. Have you heard of this? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, 
oh my God, that person just trauma dumped all over me. So I, I'm mindful, like I don't trauma dump on my kids. I'm not like telling them every problem I have all day, every day, but I am vulnerable with them. Like if I'm having a bad day, I'll say to them, guys, I'm sorry, I'm having a tough day. Or I sometimes I cry in front of them. I say, I'm sorry, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling triggered. Like I don't try to be perfect. I don't try to smile all the time. I use humor a lot like, oh, sorry, guys, didn't get the right Christmas wrap or didn't get the whatever. And I fail regularly. And I truly believe minus, you know, several glitches here and there that I'm sure they'll have lots of time in therapy to handle and deal with. I do think it gives them permission to also not have to be perfect in their lives and to give themselves permission to have emotions. And we talk openly in our family, we've navigated divorce. Like that's a pretty big thing to go through for everyone, specifically the kids. And again, that's a less kind of pretty perfect life situation, but it has been a portal for deep connection with the kids, deep conversation about life, you know, and and I've had to have conversations with them about marriage and relationships. And I'm grateful for it because like I said, someday they're going to end up in relationships and they're going to have a whole set of tools and a whole set of experiences or at least a whole set of stories from their parents who were like, hey, this is our experience. And of course, we take responsibility for the pain we've caused them through our choices. But our kids are just like amazing and epic. And so even just yesterday, I was having kind of a down day and Birdie came in and she's like, mom, are you okay? I'm feeling like, is everything okay? And like the empathy that they're showing And me then buried everything. Nobody knew anything that was going on in my life emotionally. And now, and I thanked her so much. I was like, thank you so much for seeing me. And I feel seen by my children. And I didn't feel that, that really anyone in my life then really knew what was going on. Anyone saw you. Yeah. No one, you know, which was honestly the cause of, of the destruction of my life because I felt unseen, unsupported. This is what I, I didn't know that consciously at the time, but I've since kind of unpacked it all. And now I have such love and support from everyone in my life who's close to me because I, A, I asked for it. And that's another thing I wanted to share is being vulnerable, like saying to people, how's your day? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, not so good. You know, oh, I'm having a, a go of it today or, and inviting people to be with us in our vulnerability, in our truth. And so with the kids, just to close that loop is like, I said to her, like, thank you so much for caring and for seeing me. And I'm like, you know, I'm having my own stresses I'm going through right now, I'm not going to tell you what they are because it's, it's, not, it's adult stuff and I don't want to burden you with with my stories, but I really appreciate you feeling me and I'm, you know, I'm going to do my best to like clear myself so that she, like, I don't want her to take on the burden of my emotions, but there's a fine balance between being a Stepford mom with no emotions ever and other situations of, you know, the parent who kind of just parentifies their own child of trying to make oh, them thanks. They're therapists. So I think for me, I erred very far on the side of trying to be the Stepford mom with like everything perfect all the time at the expense of my kids really understanding. I want to see the richness of life, which is the underbelly of life or the the diversity of the human experience, you know, and I, I really think I would have sold them short by sending them out into the world thinking that the entire world is like rainbows and unicorns wrapped in bubble wrap and like with glitter on top. (laughs) (laughs) It just isn't. I I think it's given them also like a depth of soul and a a level of empathy and connection and maturity that has made them infinitely better equipped, I think, to navigate life in a way that I want them to navigate it, which is in truth and honesty and you know, with open hearts, but also discernment. 
So Wow. So what did you do when you were unraveling into the self-acceptance of the things that you were not loving of yourself? Like you talked about the shame of missing a card, a Christmas card, or the shame of not being the great mom or forgetting, or how did you go to those parts of yourself and say, I'm going to love the parts of myself that I hide, the parts that I secretly do not like? What was your first couple steps to go into that? I always quote you about this because you you call me the cave dweller. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, there's a cenote of darkness down there. I'm going in. And you always joke. You're like, I'm going to sit up here with the flashlight. You go ahead on in there. Just yell if you need any help, but I'll be out here when you come back out. I were in a mastermind for five years together. So I would listen to her say, you know what? I'm looking at this part of myself. And it Mm -hmm. felt like she was going into the darkest cave ever. And as a friend, I was like, I'm not going in there, but I'm out here Mm -hmm. with the light. Just yell Mm -hmm. if you need Mm -hmm. any help, because I knew she was going in. She was going into emotional stuff. She was going to go into excavating parts of herself. And -hmm. it's like, you don't have to go as a friend. It's not my job to excavate Mm -hmm. with her. My job is to be like, I'm here if you need anything but I trust that you're coming back out. Exactly. And I, oh my gosh, I have goosebumps. I love that you just said that because I actually, this is sort of a parenthesis of this question, which is, I think so many people get burnt out because we try to take on our loved one's emotions and experiences, whether it's our children, our partners, our friends, et cetera. And as a natural caregiver, nurturer, empathetic person, what you just articulated, I would love to just underline because we can have compassion for another. The difference between empathy and compassion as I've understood it is empathy is when we feel what the other is feeling. And compassion is that we can be with their suffering without necessarily taking it on as our own. And so what you did with me was, I think, such a beautiful example of compassion and love and support. And it it gives us the reserves to hold a lot of space for a lot of people without having it consume us energetically, emotionally, et cetera. And speaking of family drama, if you are going back into a, a family situation that is or your own family is full of drama right now. My favorite expression of of the last few years is not my monkey, not my circus. Not my monkey, not my circus. Not my monkey, not my circus. So if you have a situation where someone is sort of wanting to get like hooky with the drama or the old dynamics or whatever it is, there are many, many, many tools that you can use. One of which is to remember that we are the witness of another's experience and we don't need to go down into the cenotes with them. But but just to one of the tools I did was I asked for help. It was radical for me to invite you into my intimates. You were literally the first person I told anything to. That's probably like, true. <laughs> no was, one in my life. Too. <laughs> no one in my life knew anything that was going on. And so finding safe people that you can share with, like true. Coming out of the darkness to the light, truly, just by speaking my truth with you. And you were so loving and so non-judgmental and so kind. And it gave me a safe space. And you were far away, let's be honest. You were not in my inner circle of my friends or family. So the fact that you were in another country, in another, you know, it was helpful, actually, to have safe spaces. And so, again, if people are feeling they're in a situation where they can't tell, you know, they, they're feeling vulnerable in their family or their their thing, like, find a support group 
network person, people, whether it's a, a forums like what you create online or I create as like different places where you can feel safe. I think that one of the greatest tools I've ever had is journaling. I know you're a diehard journaler like I am. I use my journaling a little bit more in terms of processing than more so than the daily practice. I tend to do my daily gratitudes more when I'm out surfing and more as a, a walking meditation embodied practice. So I use my journal really as a place to pour everything out and mirror back the truth to myself. So in mm. terms of shadow work, I would start my journal prompt with like, right now I am feeling, and I would just pour out. And sometimes right I didn't even know what I, I was feeling. feeling. Dot, dot, dot. And then another one that I use is my truth in this moment is, Ooh. that's a doozy. Oof. My truth in this moment is dot, dot, dot. Ooh, I like and that. And you can't lie to yourself. Once that pen, at least I can't, once my pen starts writing, you know, and the, the things I've had to face by writing it, it's like it comes, I think it's divinely guided, you know, by my guides and by my angels and, and everything and or your subconscious mind or however you want to articulate it or think about it. So journaling has been super powerful for me. I use movement as a place to process. So my yoga practice is a huge safe space for me. My yoga mat is the most sacred space tied now with the ocean for surfing. I can say that this is like, I use my movement and nature as a place to hold the wildness of all of my emotions. So in those days I was in downtown Toronto in like the concrete jungle, I would like hold it together to drop my kids off at like morning drop off. And then I would start crying in my minivan and cry all the way to yoga. I would get it together to get in the door so I could just be nice at the front desk, get on my mat. Thank God it was hot yoga. Cause I would ball my eyes out for like an they hour. I just and would think it was minutes. sweat. <laughs> and I thought I was just sweating, you know? And by the end of it, honestly, I had cleared so much emotion by letting it flow through me. And I reached the point where I'm like, sorry, not sorry, going to cry all class. What are you going to do about it? You know, and yeah. I just didn't care. And that was liberating. And anybody who's ever been to like enough yoga classes, you cry eventually anyways. So, Thank you know, you. and I, I grin, I think like, let's invite our humanity to the party of life. Everybody has stuff to cry about at some point. So if I can be on a mat crying, then hopefully other people can give themselves permission to have. So those are some of the tools. Music has been a huge, oh, massive, massive, it's a conduit to my soul. So if I was really in the shadow work, I used to create ritual around this. And I think this is something really helpful also for people who are busy with families, moms specifically, when you have to, con I mean, I don't believe in like, I think there's a really fine balance between letting our kids see us have emotions and just being a hot mess in front of them 24 seven. I think there's a very, very, fine balance. And oh, I would yeah. err on, <laughs> I just want to like be clear about this. Yeah. So she's not I walking around do, crying in front of her kids all day long. Like she knows like, there's times when I need to like reserve that for my own space. Yes. And the, the thing that I use is, I think you would call it compartmentalization. So sometimes I have to just like put it on and get the breakfast made and get the kids out and smile and put on some happy music just because it's the right thing to do as a mother is to like, from my perspective, is to just like, you got to get it together sometimes so that you're not, again, trauma dumping all over your kids all day, every day. However, what I would do is I would compartmentalize. So like once I dropped the kids off, I would give myself permission. Can't have until like basically I pick them up in two and a half hours to let myself 
fall apart. And then I would, I would contain it. I would be like, Hey, I have this. And I would do also, sometimes I would, if they were out a couple of times, I think I, they were at the ski chalet and I hadn't gone up yet, or I came back to town for something. And I, I remember one time I had a, it was the um, winter solstice and I created a ritual for myself. It's the darkest day of the year. And I was really in some like deep processing grieving work at that time. And I created a ritual for myself on the winter solstice of, I played music that was really moving to me. I had my journal, I had my yoga mat out, but not to do a practice. I just let my body move as it wanted to move. And there's like a lot of child's poses, some hugging myself, some rocking. And I encourage and invite everyone, whatever state of mind or mood you're in, to get on any kind of a mat. And if you can close the door in a sacred space, turn on a music that moves you and let your body be your guide because we have so much emotion, so much everything, energy, I'm just going to call it energy trapped in our bodies. Again, that's where we, if we label it trauma, if we label it as energy, as we label it as whatever, that is unprocessed, unmoved is what leads to disease. It's what leads to mental, physical, emotional illness. And so I think whether you're going through crucible moments, if you're in a highly stressful time, like the holidays can be, you need to like double down on these practices. In my opinion, whether it's like, I used to get up at like five in the morning or after the kids go to, or in the middle of nap times, but just creating a sacred space with candles, music, a mat, and just to really fall in love with yourself. And I think it's a balance of looking at our shadow parts, but also really nurturing ourselves as we would a child or a pet or a loved one with that same level of of commitment and love, whether it's taking a break when we need it, whether it's saying, look, I don't want to go to this party tonight. I can't do it. I don't commit usually to any social events more than like a day or two ahead. And I tell people, I'm not sure what my plans are. Can I let you know? And if it's not okay, if it's like a catering situation, then I'll make a decision about whether I commit or not. But I generally now, this is then versus now, I generally don't commit to social events. I don't like going to most social events anymore. I used to go to everything. I'm very grateful for my sacred time with my family, you know? And so I used to do you kind of those not duty calls in a bad way, but just like you get invited to all these holiday parties that you don't see anyone for the rest of the year. And it's like all this energy and all this thing. And I'm quite introverted. And I'm like, I don't even really want to go to this thing anymore. And so those are just some changes that I made. I'm like, what is my truth? My truth is I actually don't want to go to that party with the people that I only see every, like once a year, everyone's just going to get hammered. And which is fine too, like no judgment, everybody do your thing. It's just, it's not a vibe that I'm, Sometimes I love to go and get hammered too every now and then, but I'm like, (laughs) not really anymore, to be honest, but it's just authenticity, I think is the name of the game and really sorry, not sorry, you know, like this is where I'm at. This is with discernment, you know, there are certainly occasions like for me, my kids, I will do anything for them and I will prioritize being there for them whenever possible, like concerts and things like, I'm not like, oh, I don't feel like going. I'm not going to go today. I, I love to go to all of those things, but <laughs> That's outside totally of- different than some, cause they're in your life. You just named it. You just dropped it. You said, if I'm not really seeing them all year, but then it's the big social event of the year. Like, is that my truth? Maybe, maybe I do want to go other times. No, your kids are in your life every single day. Totally exactly. different. It's like, exactly. Those are your people. So of course you you make sacrifices, but you don't have to make sacrifices for 
everyone and anyone. And that's the mm-hmm. difference. She doesn't do that anymore. She's like Mm-mm. living into what brings her joy. And I think that's also, you're a cave dweller, like we were referring to. You dropped some really good nuggets for everybody, by the way. Thank you for doing that. Because these are like really practical things that people can step into to say, I'm going to learn to love all the parts of me. But she's also like, you have this ability to really juice what lights you up. And she does it like she does it as simple as I like this cookie. So I'm buying five of them. (laughs) I remember being with her and she's like, well, it brings me joy. And Uh she like she loves a good dark chocolate like me. She'll buy Uh more than just one because she's Uh like, I know I'm going to want this again. Like, why not? That is so big, Danette. And and this is also right. The biscotti and latte will come full circle to the beginning of this call started in those years that we're talking about, the crucible years of the perfectly imperfect Christmas card, because I realized that I was literally getting up sometimes in the fours, but like 5 a.m. to work out before the kids got up, to get the kids ready, to running, running, running till the minute I went to bed. And I literally did not sit down one time in the entire day. I realized that at some point, what not once. And then I created, and it felt radical for me at the time. And it was like really naughty. Like, honestly, I was like, this is so wild. I can't believe I'm going to do this. (laughs) And I was like, I would come home from yoga after my yoga practice. And I would either buy or make myself a latte. And I would pull out my homemade biscotti, which I am obsessed with. And we've had shared many, many times. And I would force myself at first to sit. I remember I would either sit in a like comfy chair or sit at the kitchen counter and savor dipping the biscotti in the latte for it took like five minutes or 10 minutes, but I would savor it and I would taste it and I would just take it. It was my pleasure ritual. I love to eat. I love food. And it's another tool that I really invite people into, which Mm -hmm. is prioritizing pleasure, prioritizing play. That's the juice of life. That's what fills us up to navigate the rest of of the beautiful chaos that life is going to bring us. And now I start my day with, you know, I always get up with a morning surf, usually before the sun is just rising. I drive my kids to school. We have a dance party in the car. I do my yoga practice and I start my work and then have the latte and biscotti. And I start my work around 10 a.m. now. And I prioritize, you know, probably like a three hour ritual every single morning to get myself activated, plugged into source. It involves plugging into nature, moving my body, connecting to spirit. I get, and I know you are so aligned with me on this, I get more downloads, more ideas, more clarity for my work. I get more done in probably the first two hours of every day than I probably used to get done in two weeks of sitting at a desk grinding So these pleasure rituals of slowing down, of laughing with our family and our kids, of playing outside, surfing, that fills us up and that gives us that radiance and that joy. It's like, I like that avatar, like plugging into the tree of life. We're like, wow, you know, and that's how we can start to really tap into being superhuman, but not in the old kind of perfectionistic, fear-driven 
got to perform seeking external validation to feel loved kind of a way, but from a really tapping into the fountain of youth, the fountain of vitality, which is the aliveness, it's source energy, it's aliveness, it's vitality, it's passion, and letting that fuel us in a really authentic, playful, fun way. And as we tap more and more into our truth, I have experienced that I care less and less about what anyone thinks about me. So it also becomes very liberating and freeing to not even concern myself about worrying what other people are going to think about me. It just doesn't even cross my mind. I used to be terrified about offending anyone or stepping on, you know, all the etiquette and the social pose and all the things. And it literally doesn't even cross. And thank God we live in a town where it's so normal. People are like, oh, sorry, I can't make it. It's a full moon. And everyone's like, obviously, stay home, honey. Like, don't come out. Like, our <laughs> town is so more so many like people that here for sure. are tuned into their own wildness, their own true natures. So, so we're blessed to be in a context where that is like super, super acceptable. So so if you're not, I get it. And I didn't <laughs> used to be, but there's a real process between the more we love all the parts of ourselves, the more we tap into our truth and our authenticity, the less we worry about what everyone else is thinking about us. And the more we really express and live our highest, most authentic, most joyful, except when it's not live. <laughs> and, and we know that it's all beautiful and it's all perfect. And that's like... Totally. Really, at the end of the day, it's about radical presence to ourselves and with each other, with our kids, with our partners, with our families, with whoever is is around us. And to me, that's what the holidays allow for. And I just wanted to mention the power of ritual because I don't want that to get lost in the we joke about like I kind of honestly, having not lived in North America for so many years now, I think a lot of the stuff around the holidays is insane. Like it's like it's crazy making all the like the things you're supposed to do and buy and all the things. But I think there's such a power in ritual. And that's the part that I want. I would love for people to really root into, which is like, what are the rituals, which could be putting up a Christmas tree or making yeah. hot cocoa or going, for a, rituals? going yeah. for a hike after you open presents on Christmas morning or whatever it is. Because I will say that in the midst of all the chaos of that time in my life, which was you know, a long time ago now, I did find deep comfort in the ritual of coming back to like, this is what we do. We have a dinner with our family. We do the ski on Boxing Day, whatever it was that that was a ritual was something that really for me at that time when I felt like untethered and that everything was flailing, I was able to root into my ritual around the holidays, rooting into my family rituals, extended family helps me to feel safe and contained at times when I felt really lost at sea. And so really discerning how much of it is habit and should and obligation and what are those parts of the holiday season that feel genuine and nurturing and filling us up and comforting fun. and fun <laughs> all of those yeah. things I think I think it's really powerful that's awesome well two questions as we close up how does Lindsay and her family what are some of your rituals that you're in Costa Rica celebrating Christmas are you celebrating Christmas in Costa Rica we are, sure? we are. Okay, what do you, year. tell us a couple of your rituals, Costa Rican style that you take no matter what. And yeah. if you feel comfortable, what's something vulnerable that's coming up for the month of December that you're like, I'm going to have to love myself through this, or I'm going to have to just feel my emotions through this because yes, it's coming up. Yes, 
Okay. Ooh, juicy questions always. So some of the fun things we do here, you literally can't buy a Christmas tree, like an evergreen tree here. They don't exist in this culture. So what we've worked it to, and I shouldn't say this culture in this climate, what we've worked it to is we go and buy a planted, either a palm tree or a fruit tree. And so instead of cutting down an evergreen, we buy a potted plant and we decorate it with ornaments. So it's like we get the same ritual of decorating a tree and then we plant it afterwards. So that's our kind of like eco Costa Rica, more on the tradition. So that's really fun. And in terms of other rituals, my nanny Greg, my mom's mom was my closest grandparent and she's my archangel now, but she made the best shortbread cookies. So when I used to bake for like six weeks straight, like a crazy woman, now we usually just do like one really beautiful collective experience. And we bake these shortbread cookies, which makes me feel connected and passing on my kids all love to cook. They all love to bake. So instead of me being crazy mom, I don't know if anybody's seen the show, The Bear on TV, but there's an amazing show. And season two, episode six, there's an episode about the holidays. And it is the best illustration of holidays gone wrong that I've ever seen. Interesting. Okay. so I try to focus less. And I've done in the past where I'm like the crazy mom cooking every piece of every meal by myself, going eventually yelling at everyone in the kitchen because nobody's helping and blah, 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 blah. You know the story as it goes. And instead now is I prefer to do potluck. You know, everybody brings and I get I get the kids to help, you know, and they all love to cook. And we have a rule in our house, you either cook or you clean. And so the kids will help bake instead of me being by myself in the kitchen doing, even though I love to cook and I love to bake, it kind of starts to feel burnt out after a while. So now we've just shifted to making everything a collective experience. And as a byproduct, the kids are all amazing cooks and we get to, we turn on music, we laugh, we play, and it becomes like a really beautiful shared experience instead of an obligation of more work for me to do on my to-do list. So those are a couple that we do. And in terms, yeah, it's fun. And in terms of vulnerability, I think that (laughs) I have right now a lot of really exciting, like puzzle pieces on the table. And I, I mean, I'm living in a lot of uncertainty, I would say, and mm-hmm. I don't like uncertainty. You could argue I historically might've been a control freak because I like to like plan <laughs> things and make them happen and execute. And I'm, I'm a strategist. I'm like on it all the time, you know, and my life is in a situation right now where I have a lot of unknowns mm. and I find it confronting. And so it brings up anxiety for me sometimes, and it makes me ruminate in my mind Yeah, sometimes. And so I have to really be on my myself to say to my practice, my yoga practice, my surfing practice, again, speaking for me, talking things through is really helpful. So making sure that I have people there that I can just save people to talk yeah. things through with. And I noticed a drastic difference, like for example, before and after yoga, like I can think the world is ending That's the minute so before funny. I go into yoga and then I get out and I'm like, what was I worried about again? I can't really remember. And the so thing wild. that I start, I start to really play with myself is that I know that my emotions attract the energy of what I'm worrying about. So then I, I really like start to beat myself up for like, I should be more oh. positive. I should be more abundant, <laughs> all this stuff. So that's a long way around of saying, I think for me, it's living in uncertainty, which I think is true for many, many people. And the emotions that I get around it are anxiety 
And from that, I get a desire to control and to, and in my fear of not knowing what's happening, sometimes I can be a bit like reactive and like, you know, not chill, cool yoga version of me. So I try to a have compassion for myself and be forgiving of myself when I do behave in ways. I always try to do my best to clean up my mess when I have behaved in ways that are not, again, my, if I, you know, I'm not in an energetic space that is optimal, I try to do my best to take responsibility, clean up the mess. And ultimately two major practices, just go back to my practices of, for me, the main ones are surfing and yoga and also trust, you know, like surrendering back into the flow of trusting that everything always, always is working out in the highest good. And I just forget sometimes. So it's just reminding myself to just allow everything to unfold and to play out. And and another thing I do do that makes me feel better is I plan for the worst and I hope for the best. So I use my strategic mind to come up with contingency plans. What's the worst case scenario I become okay with? I actually sit in the worst case scenario as a practice. I force myself to go down, like what's the very worst thing that could happen? And then I plan around it. I'm like, okay, the very worst thing is, okay, we're homeless on the street and I don't have this and that, you know, I'm like, okay, what would I do? Okay, well, I would start a business. I would do this. I would sell this. I would sell that. And once I get a plan in place for the worst possible case scenario I can think about, it makes me exhale and be like, okay, that's handled. Now I can hope for the best. And it makes me feel safe to put a contingency plan instead of resisting the, the fear of what could, what if. I actually force myself, and this is actually a really powerful exercise for people to do. It's like, and then what? And then what? Like, well, what if this? Okay, what if that? Then what would happen? Well, then I'd probably like do da da. Okay, oh, and then what? Well, I'd have to do that. And then eventually you get to the point where you're like, okay, I could handle that. And then it to me, it's freeing instead of being this giant beach ball that you're trying to shove under the water because you don't want to consider the possibility. So that's my vulnerability for you. I love that. And actually that's like, I think pro chaos management. I think that the pros that deal with chaos, just that's their job is to deal with high chaos situations. They always are planning for the worst because that's what they can control. And then they just know, okay, whatever happens in between, we kind of flow a little bit with, but I know what to do if it were to get to this point. So that's kind of cool because then you're not avoiding it. You're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to face this. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, well, it's funny you use the word chaos because I actually thrive in chaos. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a trauma response. I'm sure it's not It's not something that like you should aspire to, but I find it very creative and I find it very stimulating. And again, this is again, a slippery slope of you can be addicted to chaos, addicted yep. to drama. And I'm, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just let, I'm divulging. Well, I think you feel confident in it because you've navigated chaos and you have a skill. Yeah. Yeah. And I can handle a lot of complexity yeah. and I actually crave it, you know, it, because yeah. I have four kids. I've lived from the minute I was, an adult. I've lived a very intense life by choice and by design. I like to live life on the edge. I like to see what's out there. My, I like joke that I'm like with the machete out in the jungle, like follow <laughs> me what's over here. I don't know. But I think that I call it beautiful chaos because yeah. I think that that's where the creativity happens. That's where the mystery lies. That's where the fun is. So again, as we navigate holiday seasons, when it feels chaotic and everybody's talking or yelling or there's paper everywhere, or you're just feeling overwhelmed for me, the perspective shift 
of it being overwhelming versus beautiful chaos and fun and funny and a hot mess can make all the difference in in the experience of it. Totally. So good. I've so loved this episode with you because what else she's saying is actually true. Like I know Lindsay and she lives this work. She actually uses herself as an instrument in learning it. Plus she works with a lot of people and helps them navigate. So she's got a lot of tools in her tool belt. She's helped me so many times. And I actually think you've already helped me navigate my vulnerability right now that's coming up in December. So it's yours. (laughs) Well, I'm having surgery. And it's funny because my oldest was his came to me before I even knew I was having surgery. And she's like, I want to do a pagan meal, which is totally different than a Christmas meal. But she's been studying paganism and this ancient way of tradition. And she's like, I would love to make that traditional meal that and, you know, I'm like, cool. And she had this whole plan, which was around winter solstice and making this big elaborate meal. And now she was like, and I would like to invite all these people over and let's do it at your house because it's bigger and I can cook more. And if anybody knows me, like I love a clean house. When the cleaner comes, I'm like, I don't even want to cook that night because I don't want one drop on the counter because I just love a clean house. Like I, it's kind of orgasmic for me. So she's like wanting to do this, which is totally fine. But now I'm having surgery, so I can't help clean. I can't help cook. And she's now invited all these people. Like these are my friends. Some of them are her friends. So it's a full house with this teenager cooking. I don't know if it's going to be messy. And it most likely will have tons of pots and pans because this is like a massive pagan meal. (laughs) And I'm going to have to just lay there. And watch the chaos, watch people come into potentially a very messy home and be okay with it. And every part of me is like, I really like, especially if someone's new to my home, which a few of these people have never been to my home. I like it to be really clean. And that's so my mom that's like been passed on from generation to generation. Like the whole house has to be perfect. And let's be real. No one really cares about how perfect your house is. They care how they feel in your home. And I I know this on a fundamental level, but now I have to actually really live it. So that's my. This is juicy. There's so many levels in this. There's surrender. There's breaking the intergenerational imprinting about like the perfectly perfect house. That's another goodie. I let go of that one a long time ago. Now I just walk in, people walk in. I'm like, sorry, not sorry. My house is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) But what a beautiful opportunity for you to embody this allowing and this Mm -hmm. surrender and this this beautiful time and to receive and be nurtured and cared for, which is usually so the one nurturing and creating. I love the this big baggy onesie that doesn't let rub on any incision schools. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to hear how this goes. Embrace for you. it, but I am a little bit like okay, and then I'm like, you know what? I know I'm okay, but I'm sure it's going to bring up, and then I have to sit with it. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a really massive lesson. How um, powerful, and it will be transformational for you and in, in her yeah. intention of of this yes. gathering. How beautiful! Yeah. Wow, totally. I can't wait to hear how that goes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll definitely connect with you on it. But thank you for being on, and you guys, I would love to hear from you because I re- already asked Lindsay, but I want to hear from you guys because Lindsay specializes in a lot of topics. She was actually entered in my book, Embrace Abundance. She has a section in there. You'll see her name attached to that section. 
a really around meaning making, like how, what stories you tell. She works a lot with people when it comes to trauma, when it comes to navigating difficult things in your life, to leadership, to business. So I want to bring her on to have another discussion in 2024. I'll put all of her information in the show notes so you can see. Tag her, tag me. Let me know if you want to have Lindsay on because she is full of wisdom. Like it would be really fun to go down another rabbit hole of humanity together. So anyway, thank you so much for being on and we wish you guys all a very happy holidays and just know that you're loved and you're not alone. Thank you so much for having me. I adore you and this has been my greatest pleasure and I can't wait to do it again one day. (laughs) I love you. See you guys. Happy holidays, everyone. 